Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of The Situation Report. Very glad to have you joining me. My name is Jeremy Stoliker and I appreciate you uh, jumping in and listening to today's episode. This is a great one. It is Christmas time. Maybe you figure that out uh, depending on the part of the country that you're in. If you are in a place where it snows and where it's cold, maybe it's feeling like Christmas right now. If you are here on the West Coast where I am, not so much, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We love it. Um, I am okay with warm weather through the holiday season. It doesn't bother me at all. But wherever you are, you have probably noticed that it's Christmas. Christmas. You've heard the Christmas songs and uh, noticed that people are running around like crazy right now trying to get ready for this weekend. And uh, it's an exciting time of year. Uh, really a wonderful time of year. An opportunity for us to pause, to remember, particularly if you are a person of faith, remember the fact that we have a Savior, God, who left heaven, he came to earth, he lived, he died, and he did all of that so that he could pay the price for our sins. So grateful for that truth. It's been fun to even have that conversation with folks, uh, that it's not a baby in a manger that we celebrate. And and I'm going to share a pet peeve with you right now. Um, Christian people who scream about the fact, they believe it is a fact, (laughs) uh, that we're not exactly sure where the celebration of Christmas came from, and they point to this, and they point to that, and they point to some other thing, and they say that as Christians, we should not celebrate Christmas. Look, you can have your own opinion on that. I'm happy about it. Don't send me emails. Uh, You can have whatever opinion you want to. I probably heard them all. But here's what I know. This is an opportunity for us as believers to pause, enjoy time with family, share gifts with others, receive gifts, hopefully. All of that's good. But more important than anything to be reminded that God so loved the world that he gave. And you can celebrate that on December 25th or March 1st. It doesn't matter. But this is a time where the entire world is going to stop for a few minutes and acknowledge that. Um, I was uh, watching uh, the Christmas movie with my uh, family the other day, and uh, my wife commented, it's crazy that this is the one time of year where people who the rest of the year would say they don't believe in God or we shouldn't talk about Jesus or whatever, they'll sing Christmas hymns and Christmas carols and and, uh, acknowledge it, even though they don't know what they're doing. It's a great time of year. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to remember, and it's an opportunity to share the truth with people that need the truth. Uh, So we want to share a Christmas episode of the Situation Report with you. This is an episode that you may have missed. It's an older episode. It's an interview from actually a couple of years ago with one of our favorite guests, uh, David Barton, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, Certainly, he's been on the show since this interview that you're about to listen to. Um, Incredible just human being, wonderful person, someone I so enjoy spending time with and talking to and learning from, Uh, a huge supporter of the Mighty Oaks Foundation and the work that we do with veterans, Um, brilliant, (laughs) and through his organization, Wall Builders, uh, helps us to understand the foundations of America, where we came from, particularly the Christian Foundation of America, Um, 
absolutely incredible every time we have a conversation with him, and I'm so thankful to do that. So a couple of years ago, we were coming upon Christmas, and we asked him to come on the show and allow us to just talk with him for a few minutes about Christmas. Uh, Really, Christmas from a historical perspective, why it's important, but then what it can mean to us as Americans. And we had a wonderful conversation. You're going to hear that in just a second. But we first talked about Christmas and why it is important to our country. The history of Christmas in the United States, where it came from, how we've celebrated it historically over time. Uh, It's meaning to Americans and particularly American Christians over time. The history of Christmas, not just in the world, but as it relates specifically to America and American celebrations. Uh, We talk about the commercialization of Christmas and a lot of the stuff we don't like about Christmas, and and that's, that's all fine. We can point to that. But we have a rich history in the United States of celebrating Christmas in very meaningful ways. We talk about that, and uh, David walks through uh, so much of that, and it's just fantastic. But then we talked about hope, and this is what I love about David is he's not just a historian, although he is an incredible historian, but he's not just an historian, not just someone who understands history. He understands why history is important and how history applies to today. And he talks in this interview, you're going to hear it in just a second about hope. Why do we have hope? Where does hope come from? Uh, Why does this holiday celebration, this time of Christmas and a celebration of Christmas, if we really understand the Christ of Christmas and what we're actually celebrating, how does that give us hope? We are living at a time where there is so little hope, and yet we have the opportunity to engage with the hope of our Savior Jesus at this time of Christmas. And I want to encourage you, if you are struggling with hope, find it in what we celebrate. Find it in the fact that God loved you enough to send His Son, Jesus, to die in your place on the cross. Find that hope, but then share that hope with others. You know people right now that are struggling with hope. Share that with them. We talked about this and that hope in this interview. You're going to hear that. Um, So fantastic. And then David tells some personal stories about how we need to get outside of ourselves at Christmas. Christmas is a reflection on who our Savior is and what He came to do. That gives us hope, but then it calls us to get outside of ourselves. This should be a time of service. I talked about this, actually, on my other podcast, the March or Die podcast. I talked about this. I wrote about this on my blog that, that Christmas, the focus of Christmas should be serving others. Why? Because that's what Jesus came to do. What did Christmas represent to Jesus? <laughs> Probably a lot of things. He's God. But it was him leaving heaven and coming to earth to serve a creation that in so many ways rejected him, but we needed him desperately. We needed him eternally. We needed him for the forgiveness of sin. He came to serve. And so for us, we need to reflect the reason that he came, that reason to serve. It's getting outside of ourselves, seeing those who are often unseen and serving others. Uh, That is what you are about to hear in this interview with David Barton. You're going to enjoy it. It is fantastic. This is one that you will want to share out with others. I trust that you'll do that. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. And I know that you are going to enjoy this conversation on the history of Christmas with Dr. David Barton.
Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that, and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital, and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now Crazy shipping, uh, free shipping, and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need (laughs) to take a look at. You can call for details, 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation government debt interest rate hikes economic crashes even wars and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios Uh, one of the things i love about lear capital is that they are an american-owned company proud to do business with americans that share conservative values write this number down 800-489-6450 call them today or if you don't want to call you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes check them out you will do yourself a great service by at least investigating lear and what they have to offer welcome to the situation report where we do our best every week to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing Culture. My name is Jeremy Stolicker. I'm here with Chad Robichaux, and we are at a wonderful time of year, and it doesn't matter what year it is. Uh, the government cannot cancel Christmas. COVID cannot cancel Christmas. A contested election cannot cancel Christmas. Christmas is here because Christ came, uh, and we have the opportunity today to talk about it, and it really is, I, I think, in spite of everything that's happened this year, uh, this is exactly what we need right now to kind of put things in perspective for us. Yeah, my favorite time of the year, my family's favorite time of the year. I think most Americans' favorite time of the year is Christmas for, for Christ followers and people that don't even share the Christmas faith. Yep. And, uh, you know, but I think oftentimes you get these major holidays and we celebrate them as kind of uh, milestones on the calendar. But right. don't really understand what they mean. And I hope today, uh, you know, we got a great guest today, one of our, uh, our just great friends. And we can break down and just look at the history of Christmas, why we celebrate it here in America, right. and why it's so important to people of, of, of faith. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and with that, giving him the time he deserves, David Barton is with us today and excited about this conversation. For those of you that don't know David, he has been called America's historian. He's a prolific author and the founder of Wall Builders, which is a wonderful organization. David, thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, at this Christmas season. Great to be with you guys. Always fun to be with you, but Christmas time is really fun. Yes, sir. Um, I want to get into some uh, some Christmas conversation, and Chad has the first question. But before we get to that... Um, 
For those that aren't familiar with wall builders, can you just talk about what you guys are doing and, and how people can connect to you and uh, so much wonderful information and, and particularly at this moment in history where we need to understand our history, uh, wall builders and, and organizations, ministries like yours are so important. Yeah, wall builders is a name taken from the Bible book of Nehemiah. It's the account of how that Nehemiah went back to rebuild the things that had been torn down in his nation. So a lot of people who may not be familiar with the Bible may think that we're building the wall on the southern border. We're not. <laughs> That's not the wall we're building. So the one we're doing, we love the, the book of Nehemiah because it's the largest grassroots effort in the Bible. It's just where ordinary people got involved, and because they got involved, it turned their whole country around. And we love that that example of just average people making a difference, and it's great. Well, David, uh, I, I love that story, by the way, of Nehemiah. And, uh, and uh, matter of fact, Jeremy, you you wrote about uh, Nehemiah in the in the afterward of my book, and I'm fair right. advantage. I'm not trying to plug my book there, but <laughs> but, but let's plug the book. Plug the book. If you don't have to go on Amazon and get one, if you have your copy, leave a review. Leave the reviews. They don't put them. <laughs> David. Uh, um, you were coming up on Christmas and uh, ask people of faith. Uh, I think people of faith should understand the importance of celebrating Christmas. But what's important uh, for a national celebration of Christmas in America, even for those who don't consider themselves people of faith? Well, Christmas is celebrated interestingly as a national holiday, hmm. which means that the birth of Christ is of significance to the nation, not just to people of faith. So Christmas actually in America is not just a religious holiday. It is a national holiday, and there's a couple of reasons for that. A part of it is you go back to what the founding fathers said, George Washington, John Adams, others. John Adams said, our Constitution is made only for a moral and religious people. And the founders believed that without morality, you would need more government. The more morality you had, the less government you needed. If you don't have moral people, they're going to do things that will require more cops to shut them down and more prisons to house them. And and so you wanted morality, and even for critics of Christianity, uh, folks, whether it be from Thomas Paine to Ben Franklin, who other ever, those guys acknowledge that the best moral teachings in the world came out of Jesus Christ. And so Thomas Jefferson actually said he had done a huge study. He listed about 22, 23 different moral philosophers from across 4,000 years, writings that he had found on them. He said no one's morals compared to those of Jesus Christ. Of Christ. And so Jefferson actually took 81 moral teachings of Jesus, published under a book. People often call that the Jefferson Bible now, which is a misnomer, mm. but it's 81 moral teachings of Jesus. And Jefferson said, if you live by these teachings, we will have a wonderful nation. We'll need less government. And so whether it was loving your neighbor, whether it was being kind to those who need help, whether it was the good Samaritan, those are all things that uplift the nation. Those are teachings unique to Jesus Christ. And because of that, that's why we have Christmas to celebrate those teachers. Now, I've got to say, as an American, we take it one step further because uh, just give you an example. I'm surrounded here with old documents. This is a document. This is a speech by John Quincy Adams in 1837. He's finished being president. Now he's an old man. Uh, when he was a young boy, he was in the American Revolution. At the age of 80, he had his musket out with the Massachusetts Minutemen. When he was 10, he was the secretary to the diplomat to England. I mean, he was, he was involved early in the American Revolution. And so here he is now, really late in life, and he's talking to a crowd on a 4th of July oration. And he, he asked the crowd, why is it you've asked me to address you? And he says, because I'm old enough to remember everything. And here's, here's the question he asked. 
He says, why is it that next to the birthday of the Savior, Christmas, why is it that next to Christmas, our most joyous and most venerated holiday occurs on the 4th of July? Hmm. Interesting question. Why, why would you tie 4th of July to Christmas? And here's what he said. Is it not that in the chain of human events, the birthday of the nation, 4th of July, is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior, Christmas? Wow. He says, 4th of July forms a leading event in progress of the gospel dispensation. He says, is it not? He says, is it not that the Declaration of Independence first organized a social compact on the foundation of the Redeemer's mission on earth? He keeps going. He says, essentially, 4th of July is all about us taking the principles of Jesus Christ and putting them in a document. And that's why in America, our top two holidays are 4th of July and Christmas. They both tie together. Without the principles of Jesus Christ, we would not have the Declaration of Independence. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, and just in time for Christmas. For a limited time, get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98, and rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts of the year happening now. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2023, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use promo code SITREP or call 1-800-870-0283. You'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98. And get all your shopping done now while quantities last. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. In that vein, and kind of connected to that thought, we talk often about the uh, maybe the war on Christmas, however we would say that, and we can say happy holidays, but we can't say Merry Christmas, and really it's the secularization of, of Christmas, which is our celebration of the birth of Christ. And when we, as Christians, push back on the secularization, um, really, we're, we're pushed back on. Well, you just believe that, or you just want that because you're a person of faith, or you're trying to proselytize through this holiday, or whatever. Uh, why is it important for us to push back on secularizing this very spiritual, very Christian holiday? 
for the same reason that it's important that we push back on little things like in God we trust on the money or uh, the, the same for the national motto or under God and the Pledge of Allegiance. Why is that a big deal? Because we're told in the scriptures that when a person is God conscious, his behavior changes. Right. The less God conscious you are, the more coarse your behavior becomes. Mm. So when you stay God conscious, you are self-restrained in a way because you realize, you know, there's a creator. I'm going to stand before him and account to him someday. And the more that I'm reminded of that, the more I'm not going to do bad things. I know that because I'm going to stand before God, I'm not going to be a liar. I'm not going to be a murderer. I'm not going to cheat people. I'm going to do that. And it's not because I'm a good person. It's because I don't want to stand before God and be judged. And so the more I remember that, the more I'm cognizant of that, the better a citizen I make. And so that was the, that was the deal with the founding fathers. That's why George Washington said of everything that makes our politics prosperous, he said religion and morality are the indispensable supports. He, he, he said, I won't let you call yourself a patriot if you try to say separate religion and morality from public square. Right. So if you're going to try to make Christmas secular, good for you, except George Washington's not going to let you call yourself a patriot, <laughs> except uh, from his standpoint, you're tearing down the God consciousness that makes us the nation we are. And that doesn't mean you can't be an atheist and be here. We had atheists back in the American founding as well. But even atheists, uh, Thomas Paine was not an atheist, but he's the first cousin to one. He hated Christianity, hated the Bible. But as Ben Franklin pointed out to him, you're a moral person because you live by the teachings of the Bible, right. the morals of the Bible, even though you disagree with his theology, when you live by its behavioral standards, you're a good person. Yeah. And so that's really, that's why Christmas, it's not a small thing to have Christmas. It's not a small thing to acknowledge God the way we do. The more God conscious we become, the better nation we will be. That's great. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Christian isn't, uh, Christmas is not a, a American holiday. I mean, the, the Christ, Christ was born in a, you know, for all of us, uh, all across the world, all humankind. And so, but as Americans, we celebrate things and we have traditions. What are some American, Amer like good old American traditions for Christmas? You know, I'm going to answer you in a way you probably don't expect, Chad. <laughs> and what I'm going to tell you about one American tradition is that in probably what was the most Christian-oriented part of the country, go up to where the, the Pilgrims and the Puritans were, go up to the, those settlers who, you know, I mean, they were, they were God-conscious on everything. In Massachusetts, it was illegal to celebrate Christmas until long after the Civil War. So we went two wow. centuries not celebrating Christmas. Why is that? Well, it's not they didn't celebrate the birth of Christ. They came out of a country where the government church oppressed them mightily. And they remembered in that government church in Europe that, that killed them for what they believed, that that government church had huge Christmas celebrations. Huh. And they just somehow associated that with the tyranny of the church. They loved Christ. They loved the Bible. They loved the birth of Christ. They talked about it. But, man, they weren't going to celebrate it the way those, those pagan guys in Europe had celebrated it. So, interestingly, that was one of the traditions. Is you, If you look at the White House, you don't see – if you came from, like, George Washington, he came from a high church tradition. He was Anglican. They celebrate Christmas. If you came from what's called a low church tradition, a little more evangelical – John Quincy Adams, John Adams, no way they celebrate Christmas. So they're still very Christ conscious. So our celebrations have differed greatly over the years. Um, you know, Andrew Jackson is, is the first president to have any kind of a Christmas celebration in the White House. And you have to get into to Calvin Coolidge and those guys before you start getting Christmas trees in the White House. And 
and then you get to President John Fitzgerald Kennedy before we have a Christmas card that is religious. He had the nativity scene on it, JFK. And the first president used Bible verses and Christmas cards was George W. Bush. So it took the White House a little while to catch up with where the nation's been, because uh, we've got, uh, again, a lot, a lot of states in the nation really celebrating Christmas. But it is kind of interesting that in that northeastern area where they were so biblically oriented, they were just so bummed out with, with their experience in Europe that they didn't want any part of it. What are some traditions you might see in like every American's home and uh, where they come from? You know, it, it varies. Um, there, there are so many traditions. If you go back to the story of Santa Claus, he actually was a saint. He was a Christian guy who did a lot of benevolent work. He really carried the gospel a lot of places. We have more secularized that since the 1930s and 40s. Christ has become, uh, Christ is no longer associated with, with Santa Claus. And every once in a while, you'll see one of those, those pieces of artwork where the Santa is kneeling at the manger there in Bethlehem. And that really is more consistent with what Santa Claus had been. Because Santa Claus goes all the way back to, to the third century. I mean, this is, this is a long time we've had that tradition. So the secular Santa Claus aspect, that's new in America. But you're going to see things like Santa in most homes. You can see Christmas trees in most homes. That goes back to a German tradition uh, of placing candles on the tree. Now we place lights on the tree instead of candles on the tree. Uh, the giving of gifts is something that goes back to the wise men bringing gifts to Christ. They gave a gift to him. And so in a lot of the Latin cultures, they will celebrate Christmas or they'll sell, they'll do the giving of gifts on about the 6th of, of January because the wise men didn't get there the night Jesus was born. They got there a couple weeks later. They traveled to follow the star and made it. And so that's why in a lot of countries across the world, they give gifts about two weeks after Christmas. So there's a lot of things we see and that we do Christmas carols, Christmas hymns. Uh, a lot of the hymns we celebrate, things like Joy to the World, came from an English theologian, Isaac Watt, who was a great, great, great influence in America. One of the guys who helped found Georgia is the guy who wrote the Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So the singing of Christmas carols and Christmas songs, that's long been part of it. And having church services at Christmas, that goes back into European times, and that too goes back into the early centuries. So there's a lot of traditions we still do today that, that are deep-rooted. One of the um, difficult things about this year is I think these traditions, these practices that we as Americans have really taken for granted for most of our lives now are being called into question. We recently came through Thanksgiving, and uh, where I am here in California, we were told not to gather, not to celebrate. Most people just disregarded uh, those recommendations. But uh, these are all things we've never really had to think about. And, and as bad as that can be, in another way, I think it can be good when we personalize many of these things. Why do we do them? How do we do them? Why is this important to us? When you think about Christmas, um, not the, the Western celebration of Christmas, but, but the event that brings us Christmas and that we celebrate at Christmas, um, to you personally, what does Christmas mean? And as you would talk to other people, you know, in a more intimate setting perhaps, uh, what would you encourage people at this time to remember about Christmas, to understand about Christmas, to embrace about Christmas as we come through this holiday season? You know, one thing for me is that I look at the Bible as a Christian. I know that I have life, eternal life, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We're told in, in Romans that by his resurrection from the dead, that's our power of life. That's our power of eternal life. But he would not have been resurrected from the dead had he not been born. Mm. 
And so you have to go back to that. Everything I believe about Christianity in the Bible, all the power of the gospel, all, all the power that Jesus Christ gave us as disciples to whether everything in Mark 16, 17, and 18, all the, the power to, to lead people to Christ, to heal, to lay hands on the sick, whatever that power is, it all goes back to that birth of Jesus Christ. Had yep. he not been born, none of that exists. Yep. So for me, that is the number one day in the Christian faith for me. That's, that's more important than Easter, because Easter wouldn't be there if Jesus hadn't been born. Right. So for me, it's Christmas first, and my Christmas traditions are a little bit different. I think Christmas is too good a holiday just to celebrate for two or three weeks out of the year. So I have not taken my Christmas tree down in years. I still have my Christmas tree up. I, I was playing Christmas music before I got on the program here. I'll be playing Christmas music come January the 15th and August the 7th and every other day of the year. Uh, this is a big deal to me because for me, it is a reminder yeah. of the central core part of my faith as a Christian, my life as a Christian. It starts with the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So for me, that that is the the essence of everything I do as a Christian is I have to go back to that starting point. I, I think of... Um so much of the hopelessness that surrounds us right now, we could think of our election, we could think of this COVID thing and all the stuff that we're dealing with. The future is pretty bleak for a lot of people, but what Christmas represents in so many ways, that baby in the manger is exactly what you spoke of. It's hope. <laughs> um, yes. How can we have confidence? How can we have hope? Because Christ was born, and that gives us everything we need. You know, the, the other thing too, Jeremy, is at a time like this, one of the things to remember is don't get focused on yourself mm. um, because you, you get a, a governor that isolates you. And we're told in Proverbs 18 that the person who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. Isolation is not good. God said in the Bible, it's not good for man to be alone. I mean, isolation is not the way yeah. he wants us. And a governor saying, you guys need to be isolated. One of the things you want to do is get outside of yourself. Start looking for other people you can serve and help. And no matter how much you might be hurting and feeling sorry for yourself or anything else, go find somebody else to help. And, you know, let the governor arrest if he wants to. You'll become a poster child because every other state in the union will step up and say, your governor is nuts. And so you'll be a hero. <laughs> and I say that facetiously because you guys, so many of you I know anyway are ignoring what the governor says. And not that we encourage people to ignore civil leaders, but I do encourage people to ignore civil leaders when they're wrong. Sure. And when what they're doing violates the, the freedom of religion and constitutional expression, everything else. So I, it, one of the things at Christmas time, it can be a depressing time for some people and it shouldn't be, it should be a time of hope and joy. Yeah. But if you get outside yourself and start helping others and serving others and looking for things you can do with others, I tell you, one of the things that I learned a few years ago that has changed my life I was out in my garage. Uh, we have a ranch. I was out in the barn, actually, was working on some things. And I just had the radio playing uh, a, a local station, and they were playing Christmas carols. And the DJ came on, and she said, hey, I want you guys to start calling in and tell me about your, your Christmas traditions. Tell me what they are. And so I thought, this would be interesting. I wonder what people have. And one of the first callers said, well, I'm a nurse. I, I work at a nursing home. And I deal with real old folks. And she said, one of the most heartbreaking things for me was I, I see them open their Christmas gifts every year. And she said, and I watched the guy open a, a, a Christmas gift and he looked inside it and he closed it and he set it back down and he didn't want to do anything with it. And she said, do you want me to help you? He, says, he said, no. He said, I know what it is. He says, a tie. They send me a tie every year. He said, they never come see me. No, mm. no. 
and, and that got me thinking. She said, she said, what we did was we, we adopted the nursing home and said, all right, which people here don't have families, which right. don't have gifts. I was shocked to find that close to where I live is a, is a VA nursing home. And there's about 85 vets in there that are wards of the state. They have no existing family left at all. No one to come see them. And so we checked and we found four or five nursing homes around us. One nursing home had 15 or 20 folks that, that didn't have any living family, uh, these, these vets. And, and so we just adopted that. And so what we're doing right now is I'm talking to you, my staff's upstairs stuffing hundreds of, of packages because we go individually to those guys to say, what would you like for Christmas? That's great. And it is so amazing for some of them. It's, oh man, I wish I had my own can of shaving cream. Just, you know, something yep. that simple it makes me cry. And, and things that we take for granted. Yes. Sorry. Hmm. But folks like that, that we just never notice, we never think about. And, and that makes Christmas really real. Yeah. Yeah. It's a time to, I think, remind ourselves the opportunity where we can be there for one another. And what a wonderful reflection too of, you know, a Christ who came to us when we absolutely needed him would have, and many did reject him <laughs> and we didn't have anything else. Yeah. Uh, that is a wonderful reflection right. of what this, what this is. Well, you know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, if you've done it to the least of one of these, you've done it to me. That's right. And I guarantee you, those, those folks may be forgotten by a lot of folks, but they're not forgotten by God. Wonderful. And so I, I want to make sure we don't forget them either. And so we're looking for people to help at Christmas time. And that's just a great thing to do is get outside yourself, get outside your family, get outside the gifts you're going to get, the gifts you're going to enjoy. Find some people and bring light to them, bring the gospel to them, bring Christ to them bring little things to them. It'll change their life. That's awesome. David, thank you so much. I know, uh, I know you're very, very busy, but always appreciate spending the time with you. Thank you for coming on. I love you guys. Love what you do. Appreciate you. God bless. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas. Christmas. You too. Always such a privilege speaking with David Barton. And and it doesn't seem to matter what the conversation is. (laughs) David has a deep knowledge and is able to help us understand these things. And I'm so thankful for him. Uh, He said some very important things. I would like to sum up kind of the highlights in today's situation report. Uh, Number one, Christmas is not just an important holiday to people of faith. It is an important holiday to our country. And as we look at, and David talked about Christmas and the 4th of July, how these represent birth and they represent really a relationship with God. Uh, What an important perspective for us to have, even as we talk about the secularization of this holiday. It really is a celebration of what God through Christ did for us. Uh, The second thing we we learned, and this is so important this year, (laughs) is hope. We talk about hope. Why do we have hope? We have hope because Jesus Christ was born. And at a moment in time when the world needed hope, our Savior came. At a moment in time where our world needs hope right now, we remember and celebrate the fact that our Savior came. There is hope. The final point that David made, and what an important point this was, that at this time of year, We need to get outside of ourselves. We need to look for others that we can serve and others that we can uh, really minister to and stop thinking about this holiday, this season, this year even, in terms of ourselves and instead look for those that need us to come alongside of them. And that changes 
the whole perspective. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that we have in this celebration of Christmas. That is your situation report for today. I hope you're having a wonderful time celebrating with your friends and family. Again, find someone else that you can serve today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we serve with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God the Creator has something He intends for them, and that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that He has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, 
but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward, and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Program's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. 